Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Cleveland Cavaliers select Darius Garland from Vanderbilt University. Hey, I'm Chris Manning, one of the hosts of Locked On Cavs. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Evan Damerell. Evan, what's up, buddy? Hey, man, how's it going? This is kind of new. This is kind of fun. This is kind of different, but I'm looking forward to uh, gracing everybody's presence on WKYC. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. Uh, ben Axrod, if you're listening slash watching, I, I cold brews fine. Uh, just gave me a little bit of oat milk, and, and we can make that work. But if you're catching us on WKYC and their website, uh, we're the Lockdown Cast Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I run Fear the Sword with Evan. You also may have seen my work at places like Cleveland Magazine, Forbes, and in the past, Vice Sports. Also do the ineligible Man Downfield newsletter, uh, which covers all Cleveland sports. Evan, just give everyone your bio real quick in case they're tuning in for the first time. Oh, golly, this is a long one. I cover the Cavs exclusively for Forbes Sports and their online sports section. I run the show at Fear the Sword with Chris, and Chris and I do Locked on Cavs five days a week during the regular work week just you know to keep people busy during these weird times yeah please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Uh, we really thank you guys for tuning in and listening but Evan let's start with the NBA draft today obviously you've been in some of the media sessions for players in terms of the interviews Um, it's been uh, I don't think a lot of news as have come out of these and I think that kind of makes some sense I guess the some of the biggest news is Lamella Ball left. He's not going to fully participate in that. Um, He's done at the Combine. That makes some sense. We're obviously still a little bit of ways away from the draft here. Evan, when I just think about the draft right now, the more and more I think about it, and it could be overthinking, it could be just thinking that this class is weird and all the smoke around it is there's not a number one consensus. Not even just a number one consensus guy. There's not like a consensus top three, four, five guys. It's, It's really a lot of eye the beholder. I think there's a non-zero chance that the Cavs get to five and they'll have wing options to choose from. I'm sure about that. But I think there could be someone that may be higher on their board that doesn't fit quite as cleanly with the pieces they have now, be it James Wiseman, be it Anthony Edwards, that they have to think about taking just because of the situation they're in. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I was in on a few media sessions. I was able to tune in to, I was hoping Isaac Okoro, but Isaac Okoro ended up canceling. Well, first he rescheduled on Wednesday, then he canceled. And a, a word around the great, the water cooler, the office water cooler is that he got a promise from a team and that he is backing out of the situation. I don't think it's the Cavs, but I do know the Cavs are high on Isaac Okoro as a prospect. So it would make sense if Cleveland maybe is the team that promised him, but I have no idea who it is, but there's a lot of teams in Cleveland's range 
uh, before and after that makes sense for Okoro, but I was in there with him. I was in there with Pre- Precious Achiua, who I knew the Cavs spoke with. Um, he makes sense as a small ball five and maybe an option if Cleveland was able to trade back into the late end of the fir- draft lottery area or maybe just in like the mid-20s as well. He'd be a fun option in the event Jordan Bell doesn't work out or Tristan Thompson leaves in free agency or, God willing, Andre Drummond is traded as well and the Cavs have a sudden need at center. Um, I know Tyrell Terry is a player that the Cavs have also spoke with. I wasn't able to catch his session, but he's a point guard out of Stanford, kind of in the similar mold of Darius Garland, but maybe a diet version of Darius Garland where he'd be best suited as a scoring guard off the bench, but has a lot of flaws defensively and just, you know, a lot of concerns there. But there's those guys, and then there's Denny, Avia, but we'll talk about him in a minute because he had the most interesting press conference, I'd say, out of all media availability. But to answer your question, there is a good realistic chance that – well, actually, no, I spoke with Killian Hayes as well, and Killian Hayes said it best where he doesn't pay attention to mock drafts. His agent sends him snippets every now and then saying, like, oh, they have you going to this team or this team or something like that. But he's just like, no one really knows what's going to happen. And I think that's the best way to put it because, especially with this draft class, no one really knows what's going to happen. And you said it best. James Wiseman could very well slip past Golden State. Golden State could take Denny Avia, or they could take LaMelo Ball if he isn't picked by Minnesota, or they could take Anthony Edwards, or they could very well trade the pick as well. Anything could happen on draft night, but no, James Wiseman could fall. That scene makes a lot of sense, but for those of you who are first-time listeners, Chris and I did a live reaction to the draft lottery, and I was super excited when they got the fifth pick in the draft because it gave the Cavs a very good position to be in in terms of just the wing players, but now... The way things are shaking out, the Cavs could have a lot of options when it comes to the fifth pick. Let's hit on just who you would be more interested in dropping if they were to slip to five. I just think the two guys that would be most likely to slip, it seems like, because I feel like the Lamelo to Minnesota thing is a little more real now than, than Edwards. It just seems that way to me. Lamelo, yeah. Lamelo leaving the combine signals really, I think more than anyone else, that he probably got a promise or a very strong indication from someone that he doesn't need to really try to worry about slipping too far. I think it, his status seems pretty secure in a way that some other guys might not. Obviously, Wiseman is not participating no. either because, um, as uh, some people on draft Twitter were pointing out, like why open the mystery box before the team that would want to open the mystery box gets a chance to pay you to open the mystery box, basically. So mm-hmm. there's some there's some weirdness there, obviously, and he's something of a of an unknown and and on your and i's respective boards we have and yet we i think we both would prefer onyeka kongu as a prospect it's kind of a bam out of bio diet bam out of bio kind of player um Mm -hmm. but if you were just give me a name if you were to say one of these guys is to fall and you would say this is kind of harder to pass up who would you have a harder time passing up on anthony edwards or james wiseman James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards positionally makes no sense for the Cavs for what they're trying to build because they've drafted guards that need the ball in Garland and Sexton two years in a row. And granted, they're both learning how to play off the ball, but bringing a third. And then there's also Kevin Porter in the mix as well, and they're trying to introduce Dylan Widow to the situation. Um, it's just kind of murky if you add Anthony Edwards to the mix. And I know the Cavs currently have Andre Drummond on the roster. Kevin Love can play the five. Larry Nance can play the five, even though he doesn't want to. But they do need a long-term fit at the center position to kind of grow and mold at this young court. I think if James Wiseman fell, uh, that means Andre Drummond is likely not long for Cleveland. We'd probably get traded. Maybe they bring back Tristan Thompson on a two to three year deal that is both team friendly but maybe a little bit of an extra bolster to him as well and then he starts and let James Wiseman come along slowly off the bench I think I'd pick Wiseman how about you it's Wiseman Edwards scares me in a lot of ways but 
look, shot making is a, a very, very important skill. Um, he has that maybe more than anyone at the top of this draft class, and I don't think you can write him off, even though the, the figuring out how to utilize him correctly as the roster currently looks with Sexton, with Garland, with Kevin Porter Jr., with Kevin and all these guys, even though they're good passers, they're particularly the two veteran bigs. And even Drummond has a history, I think, of being a facilitator if he's around. Like, go back to some of his Piston seasons pre-Blake Griffin. Like, there's a lot of elbowy creation work from him in those scenarios. But I think Wiseman's the pick. I would still prefer mm. Okoro. And I think today, if I had to peg it, Okoro would be the guy I think kind of makes the most sense and, and most smoke to pick with Denny Abdija, who we'll talk about here now, kind of maybe is the runner-up for me. But Evan, succinctly here, because we're, we're running out of time here in our first segment. His media session, uh, by everything on Twitter, people have probably odd. seen it, was odd. Didn't offer a whole lot, but did you have any no. any positive takeaways, any kind of interesting tidbits co- that did come out of it? Um, I always say swagger is the plus size co- sister to confidence, and Denny Avita has plenty of swagger in himself. He has a lot of belief in his ability as a player. He gave a lot of bland, cliche answers, and um, you know, his kind of like, you know, aloofness and utter disdain for the media reminds me of Kawhi Leonard. Not saying he's going to be Kawhi Leonard, but that's wishful thinking there. I can I can see you chuckling right now, Chris. Yeah, but, yeah, um, what, him him being Kawhi, if you, you, you deal with that. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I think we've learned in the in the modern era that um, every star that you have some quirks, LeBron obviously will, tr- will kind of dictate your organization. Uh, Kawhi will, you know, Kawhi and PG obviously bring kind of, they, they require you to give up all these picks because they kind of want to play together. Like there, there are th- mm-hmm. guys like that. A rookie coming in does not have that kind of cachet. Obviously like Zion didn't even have that. So someone like Denny no. is not going to have that. I'll, I'll say this about Denny and just kind of players coming from here. But I, and I've noticed Luca isn't a big media guy either. I, he's not a, a big talker in a lot of ways, but if you look at how interviews are done in European sports, the act, you and I think there's probably not enough access to American athletes. I would argue that there's there's definitely not. It's it could be a little more open. I don't think the the relationship between us and athletes and coaches and, and front offices needs to be as awkward and sort of adversarial as it can be sometimes. Needlessly, I would say. But if you look at mm-hmm. Europe, it's like I don't think this is exactly the case with basketball in Europe. But soccer, for instance, has a mix zone where like a player will walk through the zone if you want to get any player it could be a guy who scored three goals in a champions league final like you have to hopefully get him in the mix zone or catch his tv interview like there's much less kind of traditional access and and I, and if you're denny and you've played professionally for a couple of years and you know that's kind of your vibe like this this zoom scrum that you're doing and gonna probably do for the foreseeable future wherever you draft be it chicago cleveland golden state wherever like there is going to be some kind of immediate tension that is probably going to be different from all right let's take a quick break that we're going to come back here in a second and talk about the end of the Cavs bubble workouts before we do that though i want to tell you about doordash you want chinese your partner wants pizza and someone else is craving for oyo there's something on doordash though for everyone doordash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now right to your door ordering is easy open the doordash app Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the United States, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery right now, so just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. 
Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off your and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, Evan and I will be right back, and we're going to touch on the Cavs end of the in-market bubble right after this. All right, we're back. I'm Chris Manning. He is Evan Damerill. Evan, the the bubble, as it mm-hmm. came and went, I'd, I've seen some writing about it that indicates a lot of learned things. I think some of that is taking the quotes extremely literally and sort of taking them as, as the exact thing that happened. I don't. I don't think we can really know the effects of this until a long while. Um, obviously, there there mm-hmm. are some ad, notable absences: Tristan Thompson and Matthew Dellavedova, impending free agents, not here. Andre Drummond opted out for personal reasons per the team. Kevin Love left early, as he indicated during his media availability. We didn't hear from Kevin Porter Jr. We didn't hear from some of the guys towards the end of the roster. We did hear from Kobe Altman, JB Bickerstaff twice, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, a whole bunch of guys. I guess as we wrap, as this wraps up, Evan, and we think about it, what what do you feel like you got out of it? I think it was a strong reflection period. We did have Lindsey Gottlieb on the show prior to bub- the bubble camp going underway, and they said that the, one of the big things they were hammering home was Cleveland was the worst defensive team in the league last year, and there's only the only way they can go from here is up. And I mean, adding Jordan Bell, who is a defensive-minded small ball five, helps. Not having Andre Drummond there hurts. Who is an all-defensive candidate based on the end-of-season voting. Um, I will, I will, I, I will quibble with that. So you don't have to. He's actually not that impactful, but rebounding a big body in the middle, yeah. Like there, there is some up defensive upside there for Andre. I'm being Drummond. a little facetious there. Yes, but um, I that was one of the biggest things, and I think it was refreshing to hear like JB openly saying during one of the media sessions that no, the Cavs are taking eye tests and they're taking film review and they're taking analytical data, even though analytics is still has a really hard time properly tracking what is good defensive metrics and what isn't good defensive mm-hmm. metrics, but the Cavs are at least looking at the hard numbers. They're looking at empirical data. They're looking at factual evidence in front of them and trying to construct a game plan. And that's J.B. Vickerstaff's calling card. He was hired to be the defensive coordinator for the Cavs. I think last season was a bit of a wash under John Bayline, so pretty hard to salvage the situation as a whole. And I don't know how Cleveland's defense fared when J.B. took under, over as the head coach in at Bayline's exit, but it's better. I, I, it's like if it's, it, it's it's a leap from dead last bottom of the barrel to like not average or good, mm-hmm. but like you're not getting immediately played off the floor by yeah. because your defense is so bad. No, I, that's a good way to go about it, and I think that's a good way to look at things. And other than that, I feel like Chris, you'd agree with me. Like overwhelming positivity about their young players, especially Darius Garland and Dylan Windler. Mm-hmm. Like they're not worried about Colin Sexton at this point. They have Kobe Altman himself said that Colin Sexton is their cultural leader at this point. Um, I think he learned a lot of that from Tristan Thompson for after Tristan Thompson learned a lot of that from LeBron James. So it's a cool passing of the torch situation. I, I for do want to hear someone else say it though. I do want to hear I, like I, I want to hear that vocalized other than someone that isn't Kobe Altman. That that's my one little caveat yeah. there. That that's really my one whole caveat with this whole thing is that it is so overwhelmingly positive and they're saying the right things. I think that is that is something the Cavs have done historically. They said the right I thought they said all the right things when they hired John Beeline, for instance, you know. Um 
there, there, yeah. there is a lot of that for them historically. So I, I think we do need to see them kind of walk the walk. Um, but I, I will say there, the things that Lindsey Gottlieb told us that JB then said in his first media availability about them getting the film and kind of seeing what works on film in the and in some of the scrimmages and five on zero work and whatnot and what doesn't work and what kind of allows them to see what they can kind of do with this group is that as best they can kind of estimate, I, I think is a really smart thing. And that's probably to me as close as a valuable thing as you're going to get into it. And just having guys in allowing them to play in a way that they probably haven't been able to in a long time in their own respective markets. Like we know Darius Garland was working out with Robert Covington and some other players before the NBA bubble started, but you know, Colin Sexton was isolated for a while, kind of by himself in the Atlanta area. Um, you know, Windler was able to come back to Cleveland a month early because of and got some injury exception to get some more work. And there's like those are the kind yeah. of positives I think, just in terms of the development of these young guys, is really the biggest thing. And then building that rapport. I mean, we only saw a minute thirty of the clip, and I don't think you like learn anything from it other than that. I'm actually I can swing a golf club better than Colin Sexton, but stuff like seeing them hit balls at Top Golf is is good to see them kind of interacting in that way and you know seeing how these guys look i mean i don't i thought darius looked at least a little more stout than he he might have at at this time last year you know i think he looked a little more like uh an adult nba player after he had kind of a weird rookie season so i I think those are the kind of positives i i will take away from it and look we'll see whenever they come back we'll see when training camp picks up again whenever that season is going to be um i i think this is a very needed kind of thing for them no, I absolutely agree, and I know we were you were just you know joking a little bit about the short little clips they post on social or Cavs.com, but Chris Fedor first reported this, but I went ahead and verified it. The Cavs are you know teasing these clips a little bit, and they're going to be dropping like a mini series in the bubble documentary for people to sink their oh, teeth into because they're they're aware of the fact that they're going to be removed from basketball for a while, and from what I gathered, January is a realistic start date yep. for like training camp and preseason, and then. Around my birthday, early February to mid to late February is when the season's actually going to begin, and it might be a condensed season just so they can get the timelines to line up properly so they aren't competing with everything going on. But it, it's a weird time. It's an unprecedented time with everything going on. But the Cavs, um, yeah, they're always overwhelmingly positive about everything, even if it um seems like it's going to go horribly wrong, even like the Kevin Love situation or things like that. Or John Bailey the power of hindsight was a bad bad hire but i think you and i both were firm believers at the time when they hired him but um i, I wouldn't say that i, I my, my, the, myself the, i would say for me the concept of like what he offered offensively which never really manifested made a lot of sense to me um, oh it but, manifested yeah, well the players just never bought in yeah and i and i wonder if it's like a kenny like it's just one of the unknowns is like is kenny atkinson does a similar system like i wonder if he comes in um evan i guess the two other things will wrap as we wrap up here larry Nance saying he basically is going to probably play the three some more i think is interesting we'll see how much that works i'll be curious to see how much that gets rolled out and in kind of what contexts um i I think there i'm if he can shoot the way he did last year and maybe pump up that volume a little bit uh, on his three-point attempts i think that would be a really that that's theoretically possible i mean he's he's we think of him as a big, but he's like six seven. He's not exactly like a, a monstrous guy. And I, I know I put him in a theoretical starting five that basically said, "Hey, Larry, you're gonna play center again." But like, he's not equipped to defend the Embiid's, the Jokic's, the those no. bigger centers of the world. And number two, Kobe Altman speaking, just because he doesn't do it very much, was notable. I don't think we learned necessarily like a ton from what he said. The Andre thing is probably the biggest update. 
The Andre thing is the biggest update when he told me point blank that no, we have he we do not know what he's doing with his player option yet because he did go on Stugat's show and say that I'm picking it up and then he did a Fubo session TV. with Fubo TV yep. and said yep. that I'm not sure he called himself a free agent, which kind of you know didn't give a lot of certainty. And there was no doing, like but... it was very weird because there was no follow up like clarification on it. It was just sort of like he said it. Mm-hmm. It got kind of got it kind of just got pushed on by. No, it really did, and it was just kind of interesting um, that that's just kind of being glossed over, but I'm still trying to figure out what's going on entirely with that situation, but I think that means maybe that Andre isn't long for Cleveland, and that's why I start hinting the fact that he may be traded, but that's just speculation on my part. That's not sourced or anything, or I'm not really feeling comfortable enough to firmly put a stamp on that yet, but the one thing I did pull from the Kobe presser is that he did admit that it's been a while since we spoke with him. I think we spoke with him when they hired or promoted JB to head coach. And before that is when they traded for Andre, mm-hmm. but it's been seven, eight, nine month gap since we've heard from Kobe. No, seven, eight month gap since we've heard from Kobe Altman. And, um, he admitted that he needs to be a little better about that. And that he'll be hearing from him soon. I, I assume it's probably going to be in about November when the draft happens. And then maybe before the season begins in January or February at that point. So hearing from Kobe Altman, you know, the architect and visionary of this re- renaissance for the Cavs is a huge thing for them to do. Do, do we need to and, retire renaissance um, because John Beeline is gone? No. Okay, I'm good. No, I'm good man. with keeping we're, it going. Let's, Chris, let's keep we're, it we're renaissance men for life. But, no, that's big. And then, no, like Larry Nance playing the three is fun. I think Kevin Port, like I applaud it. Like JB has said they've been experimenting with lineup stuff too. So, like, they're trying to go all small. With like Jordan Bell saying like I'm playing the five in those lineups and like maybe they're going with like Dylan Windler at the four, KPJ at the three, Sexton or Garland at the two, then the other one at the one. Like that's an all small lineup which probably gets destroyed defensively, but would be a lot of fun offensively if it's clicking. And then like the all big lineup which featured Larry at the three, Kevin at the four, and either Tristan or Andre at the five. Like that's an option as well, and I think they're embracing that. But I think. We've talked about this before, but J.B. Bickerstaff having the assurance of Dan Gilbert and of Kobe Altman saying that, like, you are our head coach for the foreseeable future. You're what we need right now. Gives him the luxury and the reassurance to kind of do some of this weird stuff as the Cavs kind of find their way out of the woods and back on the path of what they need to be heading towards next. And, no, I think it's fun. I think doing weird stuff like that or, like, unconventional things or out-of-the-box stuff, maybe it doesn't work, and then that's a learning experience. It's wins and lessons, like Ty Lue used to say. Um, I think that's something they casually need to be doing and experimenting with right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the all big lineup, if Jordan Bell ends up make, being on the roster, he's a non-guaranteed deal for next season. So he, I he have re- a good feeling yeah. if Drummond or Tristan are gone at the start of next season, Jordan Bell will be the second or third big off the bench for the Cavs. And I think that's good. I think there is some upside to mind there. I don't, I think, you know, obviously he came into the league and everyone was like, oh my God, how did the, we let the Warriors get this guy but I, I think there is some upside to mine there he went to some weird situations post golden state um and he seemed as if like he kind of learned from from those times in his career at the very least based on what he said I, I think oh it was really funny when he said that like with golden state he was going to like tech conferences hosted by andre guadala then he flat out said he's like i don't think darius garland's hosting a tech conference anytime soon. no no more likely to like play some Fortnite together and and be yeah. you know like young young men instead of andre but i mean if if you get into a situation where it's a, a quote-unquote big lineup of larry kevin and jordan i kind of like that because jordan could fill the role of the kind of the rim roller 
Um, yeah. You know, he can kind of he's he can be willing to to kind of handle. So even though he's a little smaller, a little quicker, like I feel like he can you can get him to buy into defending fives in a way you might not be able to get like. Larry probably you get in the buy into, but him and Kevin are just not going to have the success you want to build the defense. And look, I, I think a key no. thing of all this is when you watch the Cavs next season, there's going to be some weird stuff. And I'll be curious to see what they start with, what they pivot to, and what ultimately JB gets comfortable with. Because I think you'll see, you know, 10-something games in the season. I, I wonder if that's when you see some stuff that he kind of is like, I'm going to trust this. And, and to, I mm-hmm. JB doesn't strike me as like a major tinkerer, but we'll see. Mm. No. Yeah. Yeah, we will see what happens, but we're recording this on Wednesday evening. The Cavs minicamp bubble is officially over, and the team is now going their separate ways until they are allowed to be in contact with each other again, and maybe and maybe another bubble minicamp situation. But Chris, when they head their separate ways, they're gonna make sure their cars are up to snuff. And you know what could really help them out? Rock Auto. Our friends at RockAuto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Check them out today at rockauto.com. And Chris, when they, the players get back to their homestead, like Kevin Love could be in New York or he could be in Oregon or he could be in Utah. Kevin Love is a man with many houses, mm-hmm. but he might need to pick up some light reading, you know, invigorate the mind, and maybe he wants to keep up on Cleveland sports. And I could not recommend to Kevin or our listeners enough, ohioversuseveryone.com. Yes. OhioVersusEveryone.com is a new website that just launched on August 1st. The site covers all Ohio sports and pop culture. They have in-depth, interesting articles about the Cavs, Browns, Indians, and the soon-to-return Ohio State Buckeyes, and even more. An article that really caught my eye recently that is Cavs-focused is a piece by Nick Grossman where he said, where he talked about and discussed what we learned about Kobe Altman and his draft history. He gave a lot of interesting insight and, you know, really gave me some perspective on what to expect when it comes to the 2020 draft. It's all your favorite teams all in one site. And because they cover all the teams, they only bring you the best, most interesting topics. Check them out again. It's Ohio versus everyone.com. That's O H I O V S everyone.com. All right. Last segment here. I'm Chris Manning. He is Evan Demerol. We'll be quick on this last one. NBA finals are here. We're recording this before game one. So, if something crazy happens, keep that in mind. But yeah, let's do two things here, Evan. Number one, who do you, who are you picking? Well, I'm wearing purple today for the folks watching on WKYC right now, so I'm going with the Lakers in six. How about you? I agree. I think it's going to be a weird series. I I have so many questions and the the stylistic weirdness of this and and what the Heat can do and how the storylines of it I think are really good. You know, I I mm-hmm. think Lakers in six with LeBron 
winning MVP of the series, I think, feels like the most likely outcome to me. Um, yeah. But, you know, maybe this is a, a big BAM series. Maybe this is we get the, the Jimmy Butler game we haven't had in a while. But um, I, I, my, I would say if you're, as, as people who watch LeBron for a long time and watch what he does in the playoffs, there are things Miami that has worked against Jason Tatum, against guys that are very, very good and, and like the Cavs would, would love to have in a heartbeat. But yes. LeBron is going to be able to bully Tyler Hero. He is going to be able to bully Jay Crowder. He is going to be able to bully, I would guess, a little bit older Andre Iguodala. Um, we'll see about yeah. Bam. The, the LeBron versus Bam is going to be one of the most fascinating matchups of the series when and if that switch kind of happens. Um, but, you know, him and AD, and we'll see how the shooting holds up and, and everything. We'll see if Markeith Morris remains solid. There's just a lot to like about this series, and it's it's just yeah. there it, there are a lot of Cavs links to this. Cleveland links to this, and I'll ask you this too: the Heat got back to the finals six years after LeBron leaves. The Cavs are two years from LeBron leaving. I don't think a finals appearance in four years is is likely. Evan, for, for if the Cavs yeah. are going to take a step towards, let's just say, competence, the playoffs post LeBron, and again, this is a franchise that without LeBron James has not made the playoffs in twenty some years. What is what is the the first step? What is a lesson that the Cavs, I should say, can learn from Miami to get there? Uh, impress a free agent enough with a retirement tour for your player and the <laughs> ceremonies and everything else that they demand to be traded to Cleveland because that was the reason why Jimmy Butler asked for Philly to sign and trade him to Miami in the first place. And Bam Adebayo also having an astronomical leap. Um, I know John Calipari said the other day that he never saw this coming from Bam. Was a, definitely a big thing. Um, but Tyler, you know Tyler Hero, just proving everybody wrong with his position as well. Like friend of the show and draft expert Trevor McDotty has told us, like I, I was wrong about Tyler Hero, and he often reminds himself that he was wrong yes. about Tyler Hero. Like a lot of things went right for Miami to go from 10th place in the Eastern conference last year to the NBA finals the following year. And I mean, a lot of it does have to do with Eric Spolster being one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the NBA currently. Um, a lot of things had to go well for Miami, but I think getting Jimmy Butler is what pushed them in this position to begin with. And yeah, no. What about you? Do you think it's realistic or no? I think it's not, realistic for them to get to a finals appearance in four years but if you want to learn something from miami i think it's organizational stability if if you have guys that are yes. they're good and you have a, a system that works for you and the Cavs preach this they preach they've been preaching culture for like at least a year if not longer now but if you can get a situation where jb bickerstaff is your coach for an extended period of time where kobe altman remains in charge where you know you don't have a lot of churning in your analytics department with your assistant coaching staff you know, if you can keep Lindsey, like you and I, I think both came very impressed, uh, away impressed with Lindsey yeah. Gottlieb. You know, people around I, I've I've got to talk to Mike Gansey once or twice. He's been very smart when I've got to talk to him. And people around people, I know he keeps rising up and, and alongside Kobe Altman. The Cavs have smart no, people. The Cavs. It's have about a good not pushing them out. Of, yeah, no, don't push the talented ones out of the room because you know the smartest people are usually the most correct ones as well. Chris, before we wrap this shindig up, though, um, there was a certain piece that was floating around today because it is game one of the NBA Finals mm -hmm. where someone posted the hypothetical of if LeBron were to win a title with Los Angeles this year, would it carry more significance than Cleveland? And I have a take on this, but I want to hear your thoughts about it first. I'm biased, but no. I mean, I, I think... I, yeah. Okay, I, I think that it'll obviously matter. You know, it's the Lakers. It's co after Kobe's death. It's in the bubble. 
even I think even people that are not from here that you know aren't super familiar or maybe in detail of the robust history of Cleveland Sports Sadness, that title, the way it happened, that team, there's been several very good books about it. We did a whole book club on, on one with uh, the Brian yeah. Windhorst and Dave McMenamin book, Return of the King. That title is just, I think, an all-time title. Um, and, oh, I, you know, I think AD himself was like, I, I think this would be like his second. Anthony Davis, who's going to win a title, could win his first title, was like, this is maybe like the second most important one behind the Cleveland one, probably. He said that in media day. Um, yeah. And I think the which, true Searman LeBron, he, pro- he probably says that's the one that meant the most. Because it, it was validation for him in one way and also just kind of like he's he's the reason that happened in so many ways and it's it was his kind of owning of the organization and him winning that title it really was i remember david griffin griffin said after he joined the pelicans that lebron was more or less you know he was good he won a title for cleveland that was the biggest monkey on his back he took care of it but he'll always be forever chasing michael jordan he is three and six in the nba finals so if he can end up being four and six in the nba finals after this year even in a bubble series that's great but i think locally for us it'll always be and we can defend this tooth and nail because we know the truth that the cleveland title will always carry more significance for us just because where we live and just you know the context of the whole situation as well like unanimous mvp a 73 and 9 warrior squad the fact that they're the first team ever to come back from a 3-1 deficit the cleveland drought like all those things like that makes it one of the most significant nba titles ever but i believe and i fear that when lebron wins this title with the lakers because i think it's only inevitable at this point that he does I, i i have firm faith in lebron james in the nba finals but um i think the national narrative going forward is going to be that this Lakers title has carries more significance and it's just going to take off like wildfire. And it's going to be the consensus by um, the start of next season where like, yeah, no, this Lakers title is like the most significant title ever just because there are a lot of narratives going with it, but I don't know. God hates Cleveland, I guess. And so does the national media. Well, I love Cleveland. The Le- I do too. LeBron's all time. I look, I'll just say this as we wrap up the, Le- all the LeBron James play. If he were to get a statue, it's the block. Oh, it's well. He would get like a a line of statues. Right, but I'm like, saying like if there's one like play, okay. When I say LeBron, yeah, Le- that the is block. the play. And and I look, I think that title in so many ways. I think again, I do think among people that have that think about these things, I do think that that title resonates. And look, it resonates in the city. And I think ultimately, I think that title and that season and and what that title sort of meant will be the one of the leading parts of his career. He's he's obviously a multifaceted star and, and human being, but I think that's one of the leading things. All right, we're going to get out of here, though. We're both on the record, Lakers in six. If we're wrong, oh well. Uh, but, you know, congrats to the Heat if they're able to pull that off or we get, hopefully we get a yeah. good. I just want a good series, frankly. But um, if, you aren't already, yeah, if you aren't already, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and check us out. If you're watching us on video, you can hear us on audio form, the other four days of the week. Find us on Twitter at Lockdown Cavs, and I'm on Twitter at Rights. Evan is on Twitter at AmNotEvan. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please be safe, and thanks again for tuning in.